Jesus, my Savior. Lord, there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your mighty love. My comfort, my shelter, tower of refuge and strength, let every breath, all that I am, never cease to worship you. Shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing, power and majesty, praise to the King. Mountains bow down and the seas will roar at the sound of your name. I'll sing for joy at the work of your hands. Forever I'll love you, forever I'll stand. And nothing compares to the promise I have in you. Let's sing that verse again. of your mighty love, my comfort, my shelter, tower of refuge and strength, let every breath, all that I am, never cease to worship. just want to welcome all of you that are here, those who are streaming. I know there's a lot that are streaming tonight. Uh, you can see that there's a lot of families that are maybe uh, sick because I know there's a, been a virus going around, so just want to remember all them. Uh, let's sing uh, You Deserve the Glory. You deserve the glory. 
we could just sing that uh, song, He is Good. He is good. He is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. Amen. remember Brother Keith Buchanan. Um, we always miss Brother Keith. Um, if we could remember Brother Troy Hughes, he has uh, kidney stones, so we can just remember him. Uh, we have a special unspoken request. Um, and then uh, if we could remember Sister Sarah Visaki, she is sick. And then also remember Sister Doris Reynolds is also sick and there's a lot that those are away and uh, lots of families that are dealing with sickness so if we could have uh, brother lincoln if you could uh, pray over these needs if you have any unspoken requests by the lifting of hands
grateful that I'd be in your house tonight. Very grateful that I'm not sick like a lot of the other ones are. I want to remember Brother Keith, Brother Troy, who has the kidney stones. We all know those are very painful. I want to remember my grandma who's sick and all the others. I'm grateful, Lord, that I get to come into your house in the middle of the week, Lord, and worship you with all my others. So, Lord, I pray that you'll anoint the minister tonight and let him say that what we need to hear, Lord. So I ask all these things, Lord, in your precious name. Amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. If we go to the key of C, uh, in moments like these, just want to invite you guys to worship. I really love this song. In moments like these, I sing out a song. I sing out a love song to Jesus. And in moments like these, I lift up.
of G. Um, worthy is the Lamb. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the price you paid, bearing all my sin and shame. And love you came and gave amazing grace. Thank you for the
You are beautiful beyond description. To marvelous for words. Too wonderful for comprehension. Like nothing ever seen or heard. And who can grasp your infinite wisdom? And who can fathom the depth of your love? You are beautiful beyond description. Majesty enthroned above.
myself tonight in your service, Lord, that you might use me to speak to your people. We live in serious times. We've known for a long time we're living in end times. We've known, Lord, we're living in a world that's falling apart. Now, Lord, it's becoming a little more serious. The volume has been turned up, and Lord, I pray that all of us, Lord, would become just a little more mindful of exactly where we need to be and exactly what we need to be doing number our days, Lord, or order our steps, I pray. Every decision, every choice, everything, Lord, that affects our families, we want to be mindful of you. So, Lord, we're putting ourselves into your care tonight. Heal the sick, Lord, we pray. We curse this sickness in the name of Jesus Christ and believe, Lord, that you're a healer today the same as you ever were. And we commit those who are afflicted into your hands now. Pray that you would just minister strength and healing, Lord, and peace to those that need it tonight. We commit our time together in your hands. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. And amen. And all God's people said, thank you, musicians. We'll let you take your seats. Let's take our Bibles tonight, and let's go to the book of Galatians, if you don't mind. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. God bless you. Good to have you here tonight. It's nice and warm here. I'm surprised a lot of you braved the elements that come out and, and uh, bared the cold and came out to be with us, but that's great. This is what we live for is cold weather. And um, we're, I heard some mumbling and grumbling there. 
Well, I should say maybe that's what I live for, is anything that's other than summer. All right, Galatians chapter 5. I know we need all the seasons, but I just don't like them all. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. Paul writes, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. May the Lord add his blessing. You may be seated tonight. Brother Keith is not with us tonight. As you know, he's been going through this difficulty that he's had with hepatic issues. And when you have problems with your spleen, I don't understand all the medical part of it, but when you have problems with your spleen and your white blood cell count is low, being around infection becomes a high risk. And so there's lots of infection. There's lots of viruses there, and we've had our share in the church. Uh, but uh, for Brother Keith, it's at, at this point until he gets to see the specialist, uh, he's, uh, he's wise to lay low uh, a little bit there. And so you pray for him and not only pray for uh, his healing because he needs that, but also his job uh, path now certainly takes a turn. And uh, he's got to make some serious decisions and serious changes. And so we want to hold him up in prayer. It's a serious thing. Brother Tim Ashong is not here with us tonight. He is at Brother Tim Hayton's church and ministering there. And uh, then on the weekend, he'll be going up to Brother Mike Walls and ministering up there in Washington. So we don't have our Brother Tim with us. Last Sunday, he was in uh, Jewel Forney's church and ministering there. Lord willing, Lord willing, we'll have our fall festival on uh, Saturday. And uh, so we're hoping everybody will be able to come, be well enough to come. And since most of it will be outdoors, uh, we'll have a real fall feeling, that's for sure. And uh, we're hoping that uh, everyone will be able to make it. Now, there's a young lady over here. You've been here before, haven't you, sister? Yeah, Grace, right? God bless you, Sister Grace. Good to have you. And all of you that are here, uh, the, all the folks that have not been well, God bless you. We, we are glad that you're back on your feet and uh, with us today. Now... I want to uh, preamble a little bit, and last, Sunday, last Wednesday night, I mentioned, uh, I had the, uh, the little note that somebody passed to me uh, about the picture of Brother Branham in the church, and I got to talking a little bit about that, and then somebody else uh, in the church mentioned that, and I, and I certainly don't mind the question, it was a good question. And I, I don't want to uh, make it sound like it's up to me whether people put a picture of Brother Branham in their church. Hey, that's perfect. If, if for anyone else who would like to do that, it's certainly up to them. I just feel uncomfortable doing that myself, and so we don't have a picture of Brother Branham here. But was, I was discussing this subject with somebody, and we were talking about how Brother Branham actually did not want to have his name associated with the church. And I mentioned that, but I never showed you that. Somebody asked me, could you find that quote for me? So give me a couple of minutes here, because I just want to deal with this. And uh, it just kept coming to me today, and so I wanted to uh, share this with you. Brother Branham said in 1958, he said, I don't think my name ought to be on the church. He said, it oughtn't to be Branham Tabernacle. should just be a church. The Church of the Lord Jesus Christ, or something like that, Tabernacle of the Lord, Dwelling Place, House of Prayer, some kind of a name. Let the congregation choose the name. Now you're going to find, if you stop for a minute, you're going to find that Brother Branham was 
was consistent in the way he did not point to himself in his own ministry. He was not trying to have a Branham Foundation or a Branham Tabernacle or a Branham University or a Branham Monument or a Branham anything. He was not that way. And we, we find that very consistently uh, throughout his ministry. He said, my name doesn't deserve to be on this, not no more than nothing. And the reason I had to be to put my name on this is because my name was on the deed, Bill Branham. So he purchased the land. He and his wife actually purchased the land that the tabernacle was built on. And so that's why it became Branham Tabernacle. They just kind of, uh, you know, uh, some, they, they made that uh, short leap to putting his name on the church. And it shouldn't be there. No, sir, it should be a community church. This should be to the congregation here. So back in the day, this was the scene when Brother Branham actually built his church. And uh, you may have seen some of these before, but here's Brother Branham laying that, uh, that cornerstone there. And uh, he wrote out the scripture out of Timothy and, and uh, put, it, put it on a piece of paper and put it in the, uh, in the cornerstone there. I heard there were some people trying to dig it out uh, recently. But uh, he's also standing on the spot there uh, in the right-hand picture. And there's a bunch of workers and so forth who are around him there. And uh, this is when they did it. And then uh, some of the people who were there said that people from the community actually came along when, he was, uh, when they were building the building. Because you've got to remember, this was just post-depression. So building a new building was kind of an exciting thing because there was not, not a lot of new construction uh, back in that particular time. And so you can see around the street and neighbor, neighborhood there, those are kind of older houses. And so to build a, a, a church of this size, it was kind of an exciting event in the neighborhood. So people came along and they put different things in that cornerstone with Brother Branham. It just wasn't Brother Branham who put stuff there. And they put uh, rosary beads. I think they put uh, scapular, uh, scapulars in there. And some of you are looking at me like, scapulars? And scapulars are, if you're a Catholic, you'd know what a scapular is. Uh, they, like, like dog tags, they, uh, Catholics would wear it around their neck, and it was a symbol of uh, representing the grace of God in their lives and so forth. And also scapulars would be dedicated to some particular saint or whatever else. Anyway, there were people around there who came, and it was a big event uh, when he actually uh, built his church. Now, <clears throat> Brother Bram said, now, well, when we got through the church ages... This is 1963, down in the tabernacle. He said, there's people sitting here right now that were present. The same pillar of fire came by the wall and drew out those church ages the way I had them on the blackboard. Many of you was there. And people fainting, I said, there it is now, if there's a question. Stop. That's the image that was reflected on the back wall. So in Brother Branham's day, teaching on the church ages, he had a board of some sort, and he was drawing this out. And at the time he was drawing it out, there was a, a light reflected on the back wall that drew that same image back there. Now, this wasn't a shock to Brother Branham, but it sure was to the people who were in the church, because this was some sort of a supernatural light. I'm not sure whether Sister Doris was actually in that service or not. I was trying to find out today if she was actually in that service uh, or not. But I know I've talked to another sister who was in the church in that, in, in that day. And they were, they were, there was quite a lot of excitement because there was a supernatural light that was there and this was reflected on the back wall. It wasn't exactly like this. This one's been redrawn. But it was a symbol of all of the 
uh, seven church ages there. And, you know, it was symbolic, right? Now you had to turn around to look at the seven church ages. And I believe that's what the Holy Spirit was saying. We're, we're, we're moving beyond this now, right? We're moving out of that. And we're, so you've got to turn around to see it. And cause the Holy, because the Holy Spirit certainly could have redrawn it on the front wall, right? Or a sidewall. But he didn't. He put it on the back wall. So Brother Bram said, there it is. He said, many of you people, he said, uh, people fainting. And I said, there it is now, if there's a question. So it was a, a kind of vindication for his teaching that was there. Next paragraph. They got the picture of it here in Washington, D.C. Now, he's not referring to the church age picture here. He's referring to this. Right? Are we Okay. So he's combining two things here. This is the top paragraphs. The, he's talking about the, the pillar of fire and the, the picture of the uh, church ages. And he says they got a picture of it here in Washington, D.C., which he's referring to the pillar of fire again. And he says it's the one over, over his head taken in, in Texas. Copyrighted as the only supernatural being was ever photographed. George J. Lacey, and he said uh, the head of the FBI fingerprint document examined when that light was there. And he, uh, the person who, ver- who looked at the photograph, they didn't have Photoshop back in that day and they didn't have methods of manipulating photographs. Maybe that's why God allowed it to be taken back then. And uh, the, 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 the person who examined the photograph said light actually struck the lens and so there was uh, definitely a supernatural light there. And so <clears throat> this was the, the picture, of course, and uh, Brother Branham said that in 1951, when he was describing this, and it had just happened, he said, Mr. Best went over and hired a commercial ph- photographer, and here's the remarks he said. This is what he told the photographers. Come over and take six glossies of me, six pictures. I want to have a picture where I skin that old man, talking about Brother Branham, and take his hide and rub salt in it and hang it up on my door in my study. And Brother Bram said, can you imagine a Christian speaking like that? So Mr., now this is what he says now. So Mr. Kipperman, Mr. Ayers of the Douglas Studio in Houston, Texas, came over. He said, Brother Barry, now the point is, the point is, is that <clears throat> there is someone who's quite spineless, who monitors our services and criticizes me over uh, things that are said. And one of the things is over these pictures and the remarks that I made. And so I wanted to just show this tonight just so that you could have a clear in your head where these pictures come from and how they all uh, fit together here. And um, this picture, as you know, is still hanging in the Library of Congress here. And Brother Bram said, so this Mr. Kipperman, Mr. Ayers of the Douglas Studio in Houston, Texas came over, and that night there was a big platform table sitting there, and they had Look and Life and Time and Colliers, all the newspapers, they were, they were taking pictures. This was a big event, the debate, uh, because this, uh, Dr. Best had advertised it quite a lot, so there was a full auditorium. And it was a lot of people there. It caused a lot of stir. There was advertisements all around the churches and so forth. And so this was a big deal. So he had hired this Douglas Studios to come and actually take uh, all the pictures there. And he said, Mr. Branham, I said it was psychology. I attended your meetings, but the mechanical eye of this camera won't catch psychology. The light struck the lens. Well, he said, if that's Christ. Now watch what he says now. He says, well, if that's Christ, he said, stricken Paul down. 
The same God who met Paul on the road to Damascus and struck him down off his horse and called him, Lord, what would you have me to do? The life that was in him will be reproduced in us then. See, he's here with the called out church. So in other words, Brother Bram just simply wants to say, it's not about the pillar of fire over me. It's the fact that what you need to wake up and realize is that the same God that was in the early church is the same God who's here with us. Not only with me, but with us. Because the greater thing is not that you have your picture made with the pillar of fire. The greater thing is that his life could actually be reproduced in us, the church of the living God. You understand the point? And, and Brother Bram, he's consistent in this because he, he just wants everybody to know it's not about me and the picture and making me famous. And there's no point in the, you know, the, the, like I say, the spineless person who's monitoring me and what I say. They won't even tell me who, what their name is. But nonetheless, you miss the point if you think that Brother Bram's trying to attract attention to himself. He's really not. He's, he's just saying, look, even unbelievers, outsiders, uh, people who are scientists, they have, they have looked at this and examined this, and they cannot find any other conclusion other than there was light. And this, this light was right there over this man, and it struck the, the lens and so forth, because uh, the lens is not going to capture psychology, it's not going to capture feelings, it's not going to capture your opinion, it's not going to capture anything like that, it's going to capture light. That's what it does. And people looking at Brother Branham in the auditorium only saw Brother Branham, but when it was developed, there was the pillar of fire. In other words, there are other dimensions besides the one we look at. And God just, for a moment, just said, I'll take my picture, I'll have my picture made with him, and just let that picture be taken there. And we have it now. We have it in the Library of Congress. You say, really? It's in the Library of Congress. There are the links right there on the bottom, and you can go click on them and look at them for uh, the Library of Congress. But I'm going to save you the trouble tonight. And I went to the Library of Congress and got it right here. Now, it's small print, and uh, even though I blew it up, but you can go take a look at it. This is the record. It's not out in public view. It's in an archival section. Now, you can still go see it. And if you need to find it, you let me know. I can make sure you, uh, you, you can get access to it. But you have to uh, sign uh, in to get into that area and so forth. But you can go online and you can see it like this. And it says, uh, the title is William Branham Halfland Portrait Preaching at San Houston Coliseum in Houston, Texas. It's got the date, January 24, 1950. Reproduction number, the rights advisory and so forth. Call number, all the file number, all the information you want. Find the pictures right there. And it's interesting because he says uh, the copyright was by Theodore Kipperman, owner of Douglas Studios, Houston, Texas. So they were, were the ones who held a copyright for that picture. It's public domain now. Uh, but they were the ones who held the picture. And that's, Brother Bram's telling exactly what happened. That's exactly right. Uh, that these people you know, took the picture. Naturally, when a photographer takes a picture, they hold a copyright to those images. And uh, it was registered in the Library of Congress. And it's still there. You can go look at it. And on the, on the uh, bottom of the picture... Uh, there's a writing on the bottom of it. And it says right here somewhere what, what was uh, written on the bottom. Um, and it's not there, so I'm sorry, I don't have it. But uh, the person who verified the photograph wrote on the bottom of it, 
and authenticated the picture itself, but you can go and see it. It is the most requested, most oft-requested picture in the Library of Congress. And more people want to see that picture than any other picture in all of the Library of Congress. So if you're in Washington and you're, uh, you're done seeing Ford's Theater and all the other stuff, that, all the wonderful things that there are to see there, you ought to go see uh, the Library of Congress. And when you go, take me, because I've never seen it either. I've only seen it on the website. Now, let me go one little step further here. Brother Branham says in The Lamb and the Dove, 1960, he said, how many have seen the picture of the angel of the Lord here? He said, it's in books. And it come from that way somewhere. It went around this way. And I don't mean to be telling you what he's saying because I don't know which way he's pointing here. Except he said it comes around to this side. What's the picture? This is the picture that Brother Branham took note of. Apparently this was taken outside of the church and the back door. And Brother Branham stood and had his picture made. And there was a light over his right shoulder. All right? Now... Just to, just to give you his commentary on this picture, because he put a lot of stock in this picture personally. He said, it always comes in the prayer line, always has, to my right side. That's why he remarked this picture when it was taken. He said, the pillar fire, that angel, that presence, he said, is always on my right side. That's the reason I bring the people that way. I have never... I never have a prayer line unless it comes from my right coming left because that's always where he's standing. That's always where I see him is on that side. So that's why Brother Bram had people come this way and they would come and, and uh, you know, he'd have them walk through. And now, when it used to be I brought uh, the people from the left side, he said, when I caught them with that hand, but this way it's a vision and he stands on this side. So he, he, makes, he makes a deal out of this whole image that he saw, and it was important to him. Now, let me give you one last statement in relation to this. This is in the Church Age books, the last chapter. And Brother Branham says on page 381, Not for one moment do I bring a message to the people that they may follow me, join my church, or start some fellowship and organization. What I'm saying is that it's consistent all the way from the early years right to the very end. Brother Branham never tried to, to, to gather a following. Are we okay with that? That was not his goal. That was not his purpose in life. That was not what God sent him to do. And he said, I've never done that. I have never done that and will not do that now. I have no interest in those things. But I do have an interest in the things of God and the people. And if I can accomplish one thing, I'll be satisfied. Here it is. Here's the one thing. That one thing is to see established a true spiritual relationship between God and men, wherein men become new creations in Christ, filled with his spirit, and living according to his word. Wow, what a a noble purpose. To me, that's his mission statement right there. That one thing is to see established a true spiritual relationship between God and men, wherein men become new creations in Christ, Fill with his spirit and live according to his word. That's what Brother Bram's desire was. That's my desire. I think every pastor has that same kind of desire uh, that they want to see that, uh, you know, manifested in the lives of the people in the assembly here. Because you know what? Uh, you know, Brother Branham came and went. Pastors come and go. And churches come and go. But if you have a relationship with the living God and you're born again and filled with his, his spirit, nobody Nobody can take that from you. 
You're a child of God. You have eternal life. Nobody can take that from you. And so to me, the best thing I can do is feed that. If we don't do anything else, if we feed the inner man and create an atmosphere in which the Holy Spirit can come and cause real births to take place and the life of Christ to be manifested in the people of God, to me, that's, that there's no greater purpose that I would have in this life than to accomplish that. And so it's a, to me, it's a wonderful thing. Now, let me, just, let me just, for time's sake, I just want to jump ahead, ahead just a little bit here. Oh, there we go. Sorry. <laughs> jump way ahead there. I want you to look at just a little something here. And we, I brought this last Wednesday night in Jehovah Jireh number one. And I appreciate your comments about uh, last Wednesday night. Brother Branham said that this was his, his prayer. And he said, may they be filled with the Spirit and may the Holy Ghost take them into his control. And may they uh, may there break out an old-fashioned revival among the churches, Lord. And, and that was the, 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 the prevailing thought that we wanted to, want to deal with. He said, may there be that old-fashioned revival among those churches, Lord, that will just sweep out through the communities everywhere on fire by the power of God. Send us real Pentecost, Lord, real power of the Spirit back into the lives of the people. Granted, Father. Not a Christian rock concert. But a real, genuine Pentecost, not denominational Pentecost, not 1906 Pentecost, because we're not going back to the restoration of the gifts. Hey, look, folks, if this is the way the bride's going, and this is the day of Pentecost, and this is where the rapture is, God never set us in this direction to, at the end, go in that direction. Rapturing faith lays there because the rapture is there, right? It's ahead of us. Our bodies are still not changed. So we have, no, we have no commandment to go backwards. None at all. And so he says, Lord, give, may, a, may an old-fashioned revival break out. Let me tell you, it's amazing that he says that phrase there, among these churches, Lord, it'll sweep out through the communities. Because whenever there's a real revival sent by God, the community is always affected. It isn't just a church. It's an outpouring on a community. It's an outpouring on a place. And everybody who's under that anointing is affected. Even if they're not seed of God, they're still affected by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I remember one time driving along in Scotland. And uh, I don't remember the name of the town, but there was a marker by the side of the road. And it, and it said this was the site of the old uh, certain revival that took place in Scotland, Blantyre, Scotland, or somewhere like that. And uh, I was with one of the pastor's wives. Uh, the, the pastor wasn't there as he was preaching, but I was, uh, it was Sister Becky and I and, and Sister Borthwick. And she said, she said, that's where God moved back in the early, very early 1900s. And she said the whole community was affected. She said there was so little business, they had to actually shut the pubs down. Now, you, you don't realize how monumental a thing that is in Scotland or Ireland when they start to shut them down. But they said, People were on their knees repenting. They were coming to the church. They were sitting outside the church. Rank sinners who came out of the mines and they were singing Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, rough and tumble characters in the communities. And not only that community, but other communities as well. And they came from all over. Whenever they held church service, they came from all over because the outpouring was upon the community and it affected them all. And here's Brother Branham saying, may, they, may there be a, an old-fashioned revival among the churches that'll just sweep out through the communities everywhere on fire by the power of God. Send us real Pentecost, Lord, real power of the Spirit back into the lives of the people. I don't know about you, but that's what I want. I want the real thing. I don't want a half thing. I don't want to, I don't want to mimic. 
I don't want an impersonation. I want the real thing. It almost broke my heart. Recently, a young man came to me, not here, but a young man came to me and asked me to pray for him. He said that I would, he prayed that he would uh, have a really vocal, outward manifestation of singing and worship and praise and so forth. He said, I, I don't have that. He said, I love the Lord with all my heart, but I don't have that. And he said, you pray that I'll have that and I'll be like everybody else. I got in that man's, young man's face and I said to him, buddy, I am not going to pray for that. He looked at me like some of you were looking at me. And I said, I want you to know that God made you the way you are. And I said, you're going to please God better when you are yourself and you are true to yourself. And I said, your obligation, according to the Bible, is to worship God in spirit and in truth. You're not supposed to worship God in some sort of a pattern or some sort of a way that everybody else is doing or some sort of a, uh, you know, somebody tells you you got to worship this way or you don't have it. I said, you find me a quote or you find me a Bible verse that tells me I got to be that way or I had to be emotional or I have to run or I have to jump or shout. Uh, listen, uh, I, I, <clears throat> I got to be careful here. And I told that young man, I said, I'm not going to pray for that at all, but I am going to pray for you that you'll have a peace. You'll have shalom in your heart, knowing that you're a son of God and you can worship God the way that God made you. I said, I travel the world. And I told him this. I travel the world and I see people worshiping in all manner of, of uh, ways and customs and music and all kinds of things. And I said, you know, here's Brother Branham over there in Africa. And uh, he saw the Indians over there and they were in, in front of the fire dropping bits of tobacco in the fire and, and uh, watching the smoke coming up. And they were, they were praying as they did. And Sidney Jackson said that Brother Branham took a little bit of the tobacco from one of the natives and dropped it in the fire himself. And he said, they're worshiping Amoya, the god of the wind, the unseen force. And Brother Bram said, that's exactly who they're worshiping. They're worshiping. They just don't know God. They've never had a, a revelation of, you know, or a teaching on, on who God is of the scripture. He said, these are native people. And uh, he said, but they're, they're actually calling on the presence of the same God that we call upon. And he's there sprinkling uh, uh, tobacco in the, uh, in the fire with the rest of the natives there. Sidney Jackson's like, some of you, whoa. Our, our we are commissioned to worship God in spirit and in truth. Amen. Now, don't come up here tonight with a handful of tobacco. And, and if you've got a handful of tobacco, you need to see me in there afterwards. <laughs> then you've got to see Brother Tom out there after that. It broke my heart for that young man. Because he's not at, he's not at rest enough to be himself. And I, 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 I spent time with that young man and prayed with him and talked with him and so forth. And I, I just wanted him to feel a, a, a confidence in his own experience. And that, that, to me, that takes the right kind of teaching and the right kind of atmosphere for that to go on. Anyway, Brother Branham says in this message here in the Pergamon Church Age, he says, why don't you get back to what your forefathers had? Why don't we come back to real Pentecost that sanctifies and fills with the Holy Spirit that brings Christ to us? That's what we need. In every service, saints of God, we need to have Christ among us. In every service, we need to hear from him. 
Can you say amen? In every service, we need to uh, make sure that Christ is lifted up. We need to make sure that he's the one that's honored and worshiped and adored. He's the one that we hear from. Not Brother Barry. It's not about me. And it's not about you. And it's not about HBT. It's about Christ. It's always been about Christ. In the same way that the natural struggles in Israel have always been about Jerusalem. Always have been. In our, in, our, uh, in our world, it's always been about Christ. And the moment we get over onto something else, then it's not about Christ anymore. But I'll guarantee that God does not accept every kind of worship. He does not accept every kind of worship. He accepts only the right kind. Now, questions and answers, 1954. And if I was standing here preaching and he raises up, he's talking about church order here. And he said, if, if someone raises up and starts to sing a song while I'm preaching, well, that's out of order. The Holy Spirit is not the author of confusion. And I'll tell you what, saints of God, if you're, if you're the type that listens to every single sermon on the Internet and uh, you know you're going through it all, unfortunately, you're going to wind up being confused. In, in areas that you thought you might not ever be confused, you can be confused. And that's why God gave us a local church, right? I'm not trying to bind people to myself, but I will tell you something, that God is not the author of confusion. That's why I wanted to make sure we had this tonight. You're a lovely people, but you're all in error. How would you like him for a pastor? Now, if you've got a gift, use the gift where the gift belongs. If I've got a pick and shovel, I certainly wouldn't try to hold my tomatoes with it. No, I'd use the pick and shovel when I'm digging a ditch. I wouldn't drive my automobile through the cornfield. I'd use the automobile to go back and forth and use my plow in the cornfield. So I ain't got nothing against the plow and I ain't got nothing against the automobile. They both are instruments to be used here for the embitterment of mankind. I haven't got nothing against speaking in tongues and I haven't got nothing against preaching, singing and interpretation of tongues against the gifts of healings. But it's all to be used in its place. It's all to be used in its place. You know how you, you, know how you accomplish that in a church? You teach church order. Right? Because people in Pentecost did what they did because they didn't have the right teaching. And Brother Bram said, hey, all right, let's take the gift. over here to a room and they can get together before church and we'll, uh, if somebody prophesies, you know what, we'll write it down, we'll bring it to the church and it should be a direct warning. Not just, you know, thus saith the Lord, we're living in the days of the second coming. We know that. It's true, but we know that. We don't need to interrupt service to have that, right? But he said, if it's a real gift of God, it's going to be a direct message to somebody where you write it out. And you know what he did? He effectively took the gift off the floor and put the emphasis on the gift, not the gifted one. So now it's not super spiritual sister so-and-so. Now, the, the, what, after all, what is the important thing? The important thing is the message that they bring, right? You know what? Hey, wake up. What's important here tonight is not Brother Barry, but it's the word that's preached. If I could give you rapturing faith, I would, but I can't. But the ministry of the word today, the light of the hour, that's what's going to give you rapturing faith. So you know what? If I put a bag over my head, we'd all probably be better off. Just like if we took all the lawyers in the world and put them in and around the equator, we'd probably all be better off. But either way, he said, I have nothing against this or this or this or this. But he said, it's all to be used in its place. So to me, there's, that's the Elijah spirit that's there setting things in order. In the same way that Elijah took the 12 stones on top of Mount Carmel and put them all together, 12 of them, and set up an altar there because it all had been broken down by the uh, prophets of Baal. Remember that? 
And, and, and Elijah comes along and takes those stones and puts them back together because Elijah is a setter in order. And here's Brother Branham doing exactly the same thing. We have all of these tools at our, our, our disposal and they're all for the good of mankind and they're for the blessing and the edifying of the church, but let's use them in the right place. So if God's vindicating a prophet and got a prophet, uh, you know what? The Bible tells us very clearly how to judge that. Because if a man gets up and prophesies and says something and it doesn't come to pass, you know what we're going to do? Yeah, we got a way to deal with that according to the Bible, right? Book of Numbers, Book of Deuteronomy. And it's a shame today that people are out there manifesting gifts that don't come to pass and nothing's done. That's our fault. That's on us. Because the Bible gives us a very clear way of distinguishing whether that's a gift of God or not. Because otherwise, if we maintain that, we go backwards in our experience. And I don't find anywhere where the pillar of fire leads backwards. I just don't find it anywhere. So Brother Bram's not against gifts. He's not against all those different things operating in the church. But let them be used in their place and let the Holy Spirit use it rather than you using it. Because it's not about you. It's about the message. It's not about you. It's about, uh, you know, the, the, the actual thing God wants to say. It's not about, it's not about you as an individual. It's about, uh, the presence of God in the church. And it's about the supernatural happening. And then it takes it out of the hands of man and it puts it, uh, you know, in, in the lap of Almighty God. And He's the one that deserves the glory and the honor. Does that make sense? <clears throat> now, when we talked last, Sunday, last week about, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the, the fog of war. And we talked about how that in, in the midst of battle, sometimes it's really hard uh, to try to figure out, uh, is the enemy there or who is that moving through the bush and, and so forth. They have to make decisions all the time. And today, uh, you know, when you look at uh, the, the conflict over in the Middle East there inside the compound of Gaza and inside Gaza City, and, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's people moving all the time, and, you know, there's, there's things that are happening, and they're making decisions with laser speed. They're making decisions that are based on, uh, you know, bits of information and coordinates that are given by satellite phones and all the uh, technologies that they're using over there, and they have to make decisions very fast. And they know that a commander of the Hamas is here and somebody else is over here and they've congregated here or they're in a bunker here and they're moving very quickly to get that done. And it's amazing. It's amazing how uh, in, that, in that environment, how it's very easy to miscalculate and it's very easy to misjudge. And it's very easy for, uh, for battle commanders to always 100% make the right decision. And what I'm saying to you tonight in taking that, uh, taking that type is that we have, if there's ever a time that we as believers and me as a pastor especially have to make decisions based on excellent discernment, it's now. We have to make decisions very carefully, I think, in these days that we're living in. Because we don't know the future, but we do know where this is going. We know where the trend is. It's trending this way. It's trending towards the change of your body. And if it's changing towards that, it's also trending towards tribulation. And you don't want to be found in tribulation, although everything is moving in the same direction. It's, it only splits. Brother, when Brother Bram saw the, 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 the end time and he saw the bride go this way and that way, the separation wasn't back here. The separation was here. So at this point where they all went along together, there was this happened. And then there was the onward Christian soldiers bunch, the bride that went this way, and the, and the rest of the people went right into tribulation right there. So it, what I 
the way I envision this is that everybody's going through uh, the same thing uh, in the same direction in a sense, but there comes a division. There comes a, uh, a separating. And I, I said last Wednesday, a gathering in and a gathering out. And there's a gathering into the kingdom. And, and that's going to be the bride of Christ. And we're going to be doing that because we're following the pillar of fire. We're following the Holy Spirit himself. Isn't that right? Hey, we're not following Brother Branham. We're not waiting for Brother Branham to come back in some kind of a body and lead us to the uh, marriage supper. That's not going to happen. We'll meet him, but we'll meet him on the other side. We'll meet him when you're in a new body. Then you'll meet him on the other side. And get out of the way. I want to shake his hand first. But, but we'll not meet him here. So we're not following William Branham. We're not following some human individual here. We're following the leadership of the Holy Spirit through the word of the hour that will bring us to the right place at the right time for our bodies to be changed. Do you believe that? Then whatever it takes for Christ to be among us to do that leadership in our lives, let's, let's create that atmosphere. Let's create that uh, environment. Whether you do it at your house, which is good. Whether you do it here, it's extra good. Whether you do it in, in your, uh, wherever life takes you, I think it's very important that we do that. And we don't want to be, we don't want to be miscalculating. Like that young man I was talking about, and I don't want to take anything away from his question or his burden, because I believe he's a very fine and a very sincere young man. But I just say this, that he's trying to, he's trying to invest in something, he's trying to do something that God's not meant him to do. Trying to be something that God doesn't want him to be. And he's trying to put a, like a square peg in a round hole, and he doesn't need to do that. And I'm finding in my own heart, in my own spirit, there's a lot of things I find that I really don't need to be doing. I need to be doing what God wants me to be doing. There's a lot of energy that's spent in things that don't matter. And, and there's a lot of things that uh, you know, people do for political reasons. And I'm talking in the message now. Where, where they have a name associated with this. And, uh, you know, uh, I'll go if he's preaching. And, uh, you know, all these other things. I, hey, I, I'm done with it. I'm done with it. And I, I just, I don't mean to be unfriendly, but I'm done with it. To me, I believe we should be led by the Spirit of God. We should, be, we should be honest enough with ourselves and with God that, hey, I really feel led that this is what God wants me to do. But if you feel led, I would just say, God, give us the courage to carry that through. God gives the courage to walk on despite the fact that everybody may not agree. And I'm not trying to be different or trying to be belligerent or anything else. I'm just saying, and I'm not mad. I'm just preaching with focus. Theo, is that all right? He's going to say yes anyway. Let me tell you something. I think we need to be focused on the right thing because we're living in a day. Listen, if nothing else, if nothing else, Brother Tom will tell you, because he's served on an aircraft carrier, in, a, in an aircraft carrier group in the Vietnam War. And to move an aircraft carrier group into a region is a big deal. Isn't that right, Brother Tom? I mean, that's no minor task to move one into a region because you're making a statement. You're ready for battle. You've got, you pull out all the stops and you've got a lot of gear. You've got a lot of tools in that toolbox when you put a carrier group in a certain part of the world. And they just don't float around just to kind of, you know, visit the local natives here. When they go to a place, they go to a place on purpose. And you not only have one, but you have two. And now you have three off the coast of Israel. You have enough firepower there to really set things alight. But let's just think for a minute about, about the book of Zechariah. Because it says in there that there will come a day when all nations will turn against Israel. I wonder what Israel would have to do or not do in order to have all the nations of the world and the United Nations screaming at him saying, you ought to be doing this. I'm just saying. 
Sometimes we think, well, uh, you know, maybe they drop an atomic bomb on somebody or whatever else. No. Maybe if they carry out war like they're led to carry out war, all the nations don't seem to be very happy about it. I'm just saying. But I believe this. The Bible has every answer for every age already written in the Bible for the believers of that age. And I believe that everything that we have need of is written right here just needs to be interpreted by the Holy Spirit. needs to be brought to pass. The enemy is not after your money. The enemy is not after your stuff. He wants your mind. He wants your attitude. He wants your heart. He wants your faith. He wants your peace. And he wants your joy. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. He knows. He knows that he can't take eternal life from you. But he knows he can twist you up along the journey. He knows he can make you miserable. He knows that he can, uh, he can bring distractions in your pathway and make the going difficult. And he does it very often right here. He wants your mind. He wants your attitude. He wants your heart, your faith, your peace, and your joy. But you've got to understand that you're not being attacked over the tangible things in your life. The enemy is fighting over things you cannot see. He's trying to destroy your peace. There are so many people in our world and so many people who embrace this message and profess it to be true who are, who are plagued with anxiety. It's just unbelievable. But it is because we live in the world that we live in. It's because we have the pressures that we face. It's because when you come down to the end of the road, that's a really good time for you to be sure. Right? And sometimes, you know, things happen in, in our lives. And sometimes things go on that, that cause us, maybe, well, maybe you don't have it. Because, you know, you're here, you're here when you go to camp. And then two weeks later, you're down here struggling with the same old stuff that you struggled with before. And the devil gets right on your shoulder and starts whispering in your ear and said, See, I told you, it was just a bunch of emotion. You didn't really have anything. And there's an awful lot of young people that are plagued by anxiety because they're not sure you know what helps young people be sure? Good teaching. Good teaching is not the answer to everything. But you know what? It doesn't hurt. Can I go a little bit further? 2 Corinthians chapter 10. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble anyway for this little series. I can tell. But though we walk in the flesh, Paul says, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself Against the knowledge of God. So if somebody's teaching on the knowledge of God and the wisdom of God and the word of God and the, uh, the absoluteness of God, the enemy's job is to do everything he can to exalt itself against the knowledge of God. Isn't that right? Your job is to cast down imaginations. That literally means in the Greek language, listen, this is what it means. If you were one of the people who went to find bin Laden and you were going to capture him and deal with him, if you're going to practice this, you would have taken bin Laden alive. Let's say you could have taken him alive, brought him back home, and retrained him to fight for you. That's what that verse means. So in other words, when thoughts come to you that are, uh, you know, the devil's lies and, uh, you know, things that he would say, your job is to try to catch that, subdue it, and turn it around into something that is true. That's what casting down imagination and every high thing that exalts itself uh, against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought, the obedience of Christ and having it in readiness to revenge all uh, disobedience. 
So whenever there's a temptation there, whenever there's a thought there, whenever there's something there, your job is to capture that and say, all right, hey, you that caused me to do that, we're not going to do that anymore. I'm taking you in chains. And now I got you by handcuff and I'm going to bring you and I'm going to turn around that weakness in my life and use it as a strength. I'm going to turn that thing around. And I'm going to confess my fault one to another. You know why? You know why it's good to do that? Because the devil loves for you to hang around in darkness. He loves for you to feel like, man, if I confess that, nobody's going to have confidence in me. Nobody would ask me to sing anymore. Uh, nobody would want to fellowship with me. And uh, you know, I, maybe if I, uh, you know, if I, if I, uh, uh, if I, if I, you know, carry on like that, well, and, and the devil likes you to hold on to it. And the Bible tells us to confess our faults one to another, and to pray one for another. Isn't that what it says? So in other words, we're going to take this thing that plagues us and we're going to expose it. We're going to strip it. We're going to teach it the right way and turn it around as a blessing. I And have a testimony. I used to fall for this kind of a website. I used to fall for this kind of a temptation. I used to fall for this kind of a habit. But now I want to say by the grace of God, that thing is chained. That thing is bound. That thing bothers me no more. Now it's a part of my testimony. And I got it all dressed up here like a dummy, and I'm going to show it off to the world. That doesn't bother me anymore, does it? That's what this means. That's what Paul is saying. It's not just walking around uh, in the land of denial. It is rather being actively revenging all disobedience in your life. If you've got an area in your life that's weak, if you've got an area of life that plagues you, you ought to go after it. That's warfare. That's spiritual warfare. Because the devil is not after your stuff. Believe it or not, the devil's not after your car. And I will tell you something that might shock you. The devil's not after your phone. The devil wants your heart. He wants your mind. He wants your thinking all day long. That's what he wants to have. So Brother Branham said that these are ministering spirits that are sent from the presence of God. There are, these are, why don't we read it right? These are ministering spirits sent from the presence of God to be ministers. And remember, if it ministers something besides the word, it didn't come from God. Now be careful. Don't put the guy up against the wall and shoot him. But you don't have to take every teaching that comes down the pike. Always in heaven, the word... God watches over it. I think that's great. Because some of you are half asleep. I'm not being critical because it's been a long day. And you're out there in the cold today and working and driving around and so forth, doing things. And then you come in here, it's nice and warm. Brother Mike's got it all cranked up, got logs on the fire. I mean, it's just really nice. And, And we get tired. But let me tell you something. God is actually watching over He's actually watching over the word. And he'll never send a spirit to minister something besides the word. I remember one time my, my nephew, who is now a grown, uh, grown fellow, and uh, he, he would lay in church and he'd just kind of position himself down the row from his mother that he could put his head back and just take a, just a little nap in church, just a little one. And he would sit back and position himself next to his bigger brother, so he could just kind of lean back like that and just, just take a little nap. And his mother would every now and then check, lean and whack, you know, lean over and wake him up. 
And one night after church, she got after him. She just jumped on him and said, you can't be going into church. He said, Mom, listen. He said, I'm listening all the time. He said, but I have my mouth open, and the words are going in my mouth and going all the way down, and they're on the inside. This doesn't depend on mental acuity. It doesn't depend on mental alertness. It doesn't depend on your intellectualism. Not at all. God's watching over the giving of the word. God's watching over the reception of the word. And God's put something in you to raise a red flag when there's something that's not right. And also flash a green light when it is right. And for you to say amen with all of your heart. Absolutely. God put that in you. You didn't put that in you, and I didn't teach you that. That's there. So you got somebody watching over the word coming, and you got somebody watching over the word in you, because didn't Jesus say, when I go away, the comforter will come, and he'll guide you into all truth. Isn't that right? Always in heaven, the word, God watches over it, and he'll never spend a, send a spirit to minister something besides the word. Well, the days of miracles has passed. No, no, that didn't come from God. It's contrary to the word. All right, so you then, you hear today. Now you got to think about what it is that you're hearing, and you got to make a decision. And sometimes people, you know, they come away troubled, and they think, wow, that, that, doesn't seem, that doesn't seem to be just right. There was a man who came to Brother Neville one time, and Brother Neville said uh, to this man in conversation, and he pulled Brother Neville aside, wanted to talk to him as a pastor. This is after Brother Branham had passed away. And he said to Brother Neville, I need you to pray for me. Brother Neville said, what for? He said, well, I got this trouble with this brother. He said, I just can never get comfortable being near him and being around him. And when it comes to communion and foot washing, I generally tend to get on the other side of the room so I don't have to wash his feet. And he said, I just, in my, in my heart, he said, I just have real trouble and hesitation with that brother. And he said, I want you to pray for me that that spirit will go away and I won't have that feeling towards that brother. Brother Neville looked at him and he said, who is the brother? And he told him who the brother was. And he said, my, that, my friend, he said, I'm not going to pray away. That's discernment. God put something in you as a detector against things that are not right. And God puts something in you as a receiver to receive the things that are from God. We don't always understand how that works, but it works. In the same way, when you heard the message the first time, really heard it, I'm talking about, or something in you clicked and said, that's right. Never had a background in theology, never studied, a, you know, a hundred days straight, never at all. But all of a sudden you hear the word and it's just like, you just know. You just know. And we can't teach that, we can't impart that. But Brother Bram said when something comes from God, that something that comes that is not of God, he said it's contrary to the word. He sends the one that ministers the spirit of the word. So if you have a God-sent minister, he's going to send you, uh, he's going to send you somebody that preaches to you. When we want to hear it and when we don't. So the only real power that demons have over us is the power we give them by yielding to temptation. The only real powers that demons have over us is the power we give them by yielding to temptation. And that's what we don't want to do. Now, we have a great example here in, in the life of King Hezekiah. Our problem is we don't, have, we don't have time to really do the whole thing. Brother Bram said in the message thirst, he said, now we find that God gives the control tower to you to give you the things that you need. The control tower in you is what directs you. Aren't you glad for that? You got, a, you got a control tower. You got a controller uh, who lives inside of you. And there is a control tower in the body that tells you the need that's needed in your body. 
And it's brought to you by thirst. I remember one time Brother Biscoll had been very sick and he had gone through a, a season where he was really, uh, it, it, was, it was really uh, difficult for him. It was a long season. He was in recovery. And um, I don't remember what the disease actually was. But uh, every time that his wife would say, well, you know, you need to eat a little something here. And uh, what would you like to have? And he said, well, I'd like to have a little bit of this and give me some crackers. And uh, then, then uh, next day, he said, well, let's have, let's have a little bit of soup, and, and I'd like to have some crackers. And let's have this, but let's have some crackers. And, and when they went to the doctor, uh, in the, when they were doing the examination and looking over all the results and uh, so forth and checking on him, uh, his wife said to the doctor, this, this may seem strange, but he, he, all the time he wants crackers. And the doctor said, that's normal. He said, when you have this problem, there's a component in crackers that is, is the thing that he's lacking in his body. Now let me tell you, Brother Biscoll never knew that he was lacking some component in his body or some chemical. He never had that figured out. No, he hadn't, hadn't had the results of the test. But his body knew there was something that was needed and knew where it could find it. That's the amazing thing. You can get a craving, but when the craving is interpreted and it's, it's crackers. Or remember I told you the story about Sister Becky in the, in the supermarket when we were expecting Andrew, when she was expecting Andrew, and she wanted watermelon. And the doctor explained to her, I mean, now she, she could eat watermelon, buddy. <laughs> I mean, I, I had to have two grocery carts and I was going down the road. She'd get in one and I'd have the other one full of watermelons. And the doctor explained to us it was the iron. It was the iron in, in the watermelon. That was what she was craving. And the baby takes all the iron out of her body and she's feeling depleted and craving the iron. It's incredible that she would have the craving. But it's even more incredible that the craving is interpreted and comes out, give me watermelon. And I'd cut up watermelon, cut it in two, give her a spoon. She'd go through one, go through the other. And it, it, the only thing left was the rind. But I will tell you something. It's amazing how that the body actually knows what, give me that thing because that thing is going to satisfy what I have. I mean, that's an intelligence that you didn't learn anywhere. Here's Brother Branham now. Next paragraph. There's a control tower in your soul that tells you the spiritual things that you have need of. Something in your spirit. You ever had a nagging feeling that you needed to go ask somebody for forgiveness? You ever had the feeling that you needed to make something right? You ever had the feeling that, you know, something's just not right. And I need to, I need to go back and try to figure out what that was. And what did I say? And what did I do here? And, and he says, it, it knows the spiritual things that you have need of. Something in your spirit. And by this you can tell what kind of life is controlling you. If you've got something that is, is pulling you towards uh, things of the world. Certain kinds of music and all that. Or certain kinds of friends. Then, then there's a control tower inside that's pulling you in one direction. But when you have something that's pulling you towards the word of God. And towards good fellowship. And towards service. And towards hearing the word of life. Let me tell you that. that you should be so thankful for that. Because that's a control tower of the Holy Spirit in you that's pulling it towards the things of God and it's eventually going to pull us right into the kingdom of God and one day our body will be changed glory to God that control tower is in you by the new birth and therefore it's not me that lives but Christ that lives in me let's stand to our feet let's stop there tonight brother Bram said when you can see what your desires are then you can tell by that what kind of something that's in you that's creating that desire that you have when you can see what your desires are, you can tell by that where those desires are coming from. There is a certain thing that you thirst for, and it can tell you in your soul what this desire is by the nature of the thirst that you have. 
They said that we find there's a great trouble today, too, that many people try to live between these two desires. What a horrible thing that is to, to try to live between your church upbringing and the world. That's a terrible thing, to live between two desires. One of those desires is the things of the earth, and the other desires the things of heaven. That's a miserable place to live. You're better off, you're better off saying, Lord, let me be hot or cold. Let me be in or out, one or the other. But that's a miserable place to live. And God does not want you to live in that place between two extremes there. And they don't go together. They don't, they don't blend. They don't merge at all. They don't come together. And it's a miserable place to live right in that, right in that spot. Isn't that right? Amen. Saints of God, I'll tell you what. I, I'm, I'm just so grateful that in, in, the, in the spiritual warfare God's given us, like Brother Bram said, you got an automobile to do a certain thing and you got a, you got a, a plow to do another thing. We just need to be taking these things that God's given to us and using them in the right place. Don't use them against other people. Use them against your, in your own field and deal with things in your own life and say, Lord, just help me to be a real son or a daughter of God that reflects Christ in every way. And Let, let me be that, Lord. Let me, let me be that and, and let, me, let me demonstrate that to other people and other people see that life of Christ in me. That's what we should, that's what we should, what we should do. You deserve the glory. You deserve the honor. Bring it down where mere mortal men can sing it, okay? On the level. You deserve the glory and the honor. Lord, we lift our hands in worship as we lift your holy name. You deserve the glory. Let's worship him tonight, saints. And the honor. Lord, we lift our hands in worship as we lift your holy name. You are great. So great. There is no like you there is no one else like you no one else like you deserve the glory thank you Jesus and the honor Lord we lift our hands in worship as we lift your holy name and you deserve the glory and the
opportunity we've had, Lord, to be able to study your word, and Lord, to understand how the enemy comes against us. And Lord, we watch how the enemy fights, because that's generally the area in our lives that probably will be most effective for the kingdom. He fights us in certain ways. He fights us in certain areas, and every man's battle is a little bit different than another man's. But Lord, we want to take out the tools you've given to us and use them against this enemy, no matter how he comes. And Lord Jesus, we know that in Christ, in Christ, there is nothing, Lord, that can overtake us. In Christ, we can do all things. And in Christ, we find perfect rest. We are always at our best, Lord, when we obey you. And Lord Jesus, I believe we're most sensitive 
when we follow what your voice says. Help us, Lord, I pray. We live in times of twists and turns. We live in times, Lord, where the world is moving now at a rapid pace towards something they really don't have any idea how to describe it or what it looks like. But Lord, you've given us an insight and we thank you for that. So Lord, I pray that you would help us. I pray that you would heal us. I pray, dear God, that we would fight hard to be together. Fight hard to be a body and to be a unit, Lord. And I pray, dear God, that you would bring healing among us. And Lord, no matter what comes, no matter what affliction arises, we will look to you, Lord, and give you thanks for all you do for us in a physical way, in a mental way, and Lord, a spiritual way, in every way possible. We are what you are by the, what we are by the grace of God. Bless the body here, Lord, I pray. And Father, our weekend coming up, we commit it into your hands now. I ask that you be gracious to each one. In Jesus Christ's lovely name we pray. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. We're going to let you go. One o'clock on Saturday. Check on the people who are not here. Some are quite sick and we want to make sure that they have all that they have need of. And uh, Lord willing, we'll see you at one o'clock on Saturday. And um, pray one for another. God bless you tonight. Thank you for coming. Keep your mind. Keep it staying.